0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Welcome to the Urban Pharmacy podcast, where we help women remove the overwhelm of living their most holistic life. This is the place to find evidence-based nutrition tactics, healthy lifestyle and wellness tips, abundance mindset, and easily implementable low-tox living strategies so you can rise up to your full potential and protect your family's health. I'm your host, Stacey Heine, certified holistic nutritionist and better living advocate. Now, let's get empowered with some simple swaps that make a big impact for optimal wellness. Hello, hello. It's me, Stacey Heine, your holistic nutritionist and lifestyle wellness mentor, and I am here live from my treadmill yet again for another episode of the Urban Pharmacy Podcast. And today's guest is Dr. Frank Sabatino, a very overqualified man who has been practicing healing people and inspiring for over 40 years on the benefits of a plant-based lifestyle including whole food plant nutrition without added salt oil or sugar health rejuvenation stress management therapeutic fasting and detoxification dr sabatino is a chiropractic physician and also a holds a phd in cell biology and neuroendocrinology and he has been teaching people extensive work on calorie restriction stress and aging and has published so many scientific papers and has been part of television programs podcast summits has written books and he is just a prestigious man who is so incredibly wise that holds so much knowledge and this episode is going to blow your mind it's all about food addiction this is something that i find completely fascinating. And I know the the field of food addiction is growing and growing and growing. And I'm currently actually going through a certification learning about food addiction because I 100% used to be highly addicted to processed foods and dairy. And I wanna know all the things so that I can better help my clients to break free from the pleasure trap, which you're gonna learn more about in this episode as well. If you want to contact Dr. Frank Sabatino to potentially go through one of his water fasts or work with him one-on-one, you can absolutely go down in the show notes to get connected with him and to also read more about his history and all of the things that he has done in his life so far to help people with hormones and stress management and addiction and epigenetics and the impact that plant nutrition can make on the gut microbiome, healthy aging and healthy weight loss and more. Um, And really he is so very good at water only fasting. That's really what he specializes in. So um, absolutely contact Dr. Sabatino if you think that he can help you. And I really truly hope that you enjoy this episode. And speaking of that, I just want to remind you that every single time you listen to the Urban Pharmacy podcast or you're watching it on YouTube, it helps my brand and me to get this message of wellness out. And I cannot appreciate any support that you can give anymore because what it does when you support my channel, when you support this show is to help potentially fund, the cost, the time, the energy and the effort that goes into doing these interviews uh, for all of the equipment and the cost of editors and everything that needs to happen in order to get this out into the world. And every single time that you share, you like, you subscribe, you purchase a clean beauty product from me or you join my monthly membership holistic mama society or support me in any capacity it really makes a difference and i can't thank you enough so if you enjoy the urban pharmacy podcast and you know that this message could benefit other people please share it and please spread the word of better living so that we can all live the best lives that we want to that is what i'm here for i'm here to help you level up to help you feel well in your body again and to help you live out your life in the biggest and the best way so you can make the impact that you want. And I really just appreciate you and all of your support matters so very much. So, thanks again and I hope that you love this episode with Dr. Frank Sabatino. We talk about food addiction, we talk about water fasting and a little bit of everything in between. Please leave a review if you love it and here's Dr. Frank Sabatino, thank you so much for being here on the Urban Pharmacy Podcast.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Well, I found you through Chef AJ, and it has been several years that I have been listening to your work and your healings of all the people. And um, I just really resonate with the way that you teach. I feel like you really meet people where they are and have a really kind way of helping people understand how to heal. So I really wanted to ask you today specifically about a few things. We're gonna cover some food addiction and we're gonna cover water fasting, but I fielded questions from um, clients and followers. But before we do that, Dr. Sabatino, I would love to know your path to how you got to the work that you're doing now. Um, where it all started, why you wanted to become a doctor, a healer, and um, I want to know a little bit about your story.
1: Yeah, sure. You know, going back, I when I grew up as a child in New York City, I was, grew up in the Bronx in New York, and I grew up in a typical Italian household. And uh, as a child, I had some health issues that were kind of like colitis-like problems with my my bowel and all of this, and, you know, growing up in New York, my, my family tried to take me to the best people that they knew, and everybody thinks of New York as having, you know, great physicians and doctors, and, and they do. The problem is, and it still operates today, that it's amazing how many people that are gastroenterologists or people that work with bowel health don't really feel there's any relationship between what you eat and what happens in the bowel. I still find it kind of amazing how many doctors are not tied into that. So no one ever even addressed diet. And I was eating a very conventional diet and a lot of dairy and meat and all of that was an Italian household. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until I, and and through my early years, for whatever reason, I wanted to be a doctor from childhood. And I don't know what the motivation for all that was, but it was just something that was kind of like outlined in my path. And then it wasn't until I went to college and I was in pre-med, program that I had a good friend in the neighborhood there. And uh, her father was an insurance salesman, but he was an interesting guy because he had collected an anti-medical library for about 20 years. And he was in constant correspondence back then with Dr. Herbert Shelton, who was one of the granddaddies of the natural hygiene movement which is a movement that was started way back i mean it goes back into the 19th century but in the 20th century in the 1940s dr shelton with a few other pioneers started the american natural hygiene society which is now the national health association where we met where you and yeah. i met at one of the conferences so what the the bottom line there is is that so whenever i would go visit him he knew I was going to be involved in medicine. So he would attack me at every turn. And I began to read my way through his library. And it was in those late in my late teenage years where I started to eat more plant exclusive and all of that. And all of the bowel issues really healed. And so I was really quite amazed by the fact that, you know, after all those years of mismanagement by medical physicians, it took this insurance salesman from the Bronx to really help me heal this problem, you know. So I decided at that point that medicine was not going to be my path. I didn't want to get involved with drugs and surgery. I wanted a kind of a more natural path. So I decided to look into chiropractic education. So that's kind of what I did. So I went on the path of being a chiropractor. And when I went into chiropractic college, At that time, I was meeting all of the hygienic doctors that were doing fasting and all of this. And I actually started a club at the chiropractic college, a natural hygiene club, where these all of these physicians came and lectured, and I got to know them and meet them. And then I realized that when I graduated, I wanted to do an apprenticeship with fasting. And I went and I worked with Dr. Scott, who David Scott ran a a health and fasting center in the outskirts of Cleveland for about 50 years. And he handled very serious pathology and he had his own laboratory and I ran his blood lab. So I got a chance to understand blood tests for fasting patients. I got a chance to really look at all of that. And so I I, I wound up having my first job in the late 70s running a huge natural hygiene institute on the Gulf Coast of Florida called the Shangri-La Natural Hygiene Institute. We had 110 people a week. I was fasting 50 to 60 people a week in my late 20s. And it was really seriously ill people. Well, to make the story short, when I left there, I decided I wanted to do more research. I went back to medical school, got a PhD from Emory University School of Medicine, taught on the Faculty of Medicine at the University of Texas, did a lot of the pioneering work on calorie restriction and aging, which is now all the stuff on intermittent fasting. It came from a lot of that research. Um, and I just continued on that path of really working with hygiene and, you know, the natural approaches, fasting people, feeding them, give, you know, turning people on to plant exclusive living. And so I've been a plant exclusive doc for over 45 years. So that's a long time. And I've been, and probably have fasted more than 10,000 people in that time too. So, you know, all of that time. And so uh, now I'm doing weekly retreats. I do them once a month where you can either do fasting, you can do juicing, you can do SOS-free, you know, plant-exclusive eating, and we do it right on the ocean in Deerfield. But the path really started in my teenage years with my own health issues, and then just kind of incorporating this over time and meeting all the docs and, you know, gathering more and more experience. So, yeah, it's been an interesting journey because I wound up going through both chiropractic and medicine both to bring this all together still for people that, you know, are trying to do this and learn about it. So that's kind of a short story of the path.
0: Wow. Well, that's powerful. I mean, you have a deep why, like you healed yourself, you know, like through lifestyle change and
1: decided, I did.
0: yeah. I mean, this is, this is incredible. You That was
1: to- a period, there was a period when I had traveled to Europe. I was about 1971. I was 20 going on 21 And I got deathly ill. And the point is, is that when I came back from this trip, I lost about 40 pounds in a week. Oh, my gosh. I was fading away. There was some major infection. Something was going on. I wasn't even sure. And of course, I wasn't a doctor at that point. I was just a layperson. And so I was full of fear like anybody would be. But I had read some of the stuff with um, Shelton's work through Louis, the guy that turned me on to it. And I decided to fast in my mother's apartment in the Bronx. And I did about a 10 day fast, and it was, uh, it really saved my life. And I didn't know what I was doing. I had nobody to counsel with. I just went in the bedroom and stopped eating. And in a few days, I gained a few pounds because I was dehydrating to death for whatever the reason is. And so that was kind of a jumpstart to realizing that, yeah, this allows the body to heal, it allows the body to do the things that it needs to do. So I look at it this way, I haven't healed anybody in 45 years. But what I've done is I've really uh, kind of educated people on what are the biological requirements that support healing. And if you bring that into your life, healing will follow because the body's always trying to heal. It's always trying to renew cells. It's always trying to heal tissue and heal growth and deal with problems that are going on. The problem is most of the time we get in the way or we add more toxicity and more problems to it. And so we create more you know, outcomes of heart disease and cancer and all of that. But the body's always on the job trying to heal. Healing is a natural process that never stops. It just requires us to support it to the best of our ability.
0: Yeah, I know somebody personally who you have. Well, you say you haven't healed, but you've educated enough, and they actually have done a water fast with you, and um, have she's been on the podcast, and her she talked about you. It's Angela Fisgetti. Um, yeah, Angela's,
1: Angela's a super lady. She's great. She's
0: a super woman, and she, you know, she told her story uh, about healing and, and all of the things that she's gone through and what water fasting did for her and switching to this SOS free lifestyle, what, what that did for her. And it's just really, really powerful. And I, um, personally, like my husband and I, we, we've never fasted, we've only done juice fasting, but, um, we're going to talk more about like this SOS free lifestyle and what that that's done. Um, for us, this is the way that I teach now as a nutritionist, I help people, you know, get out of this pleasure trap, um, and, and kind of just get back to nature and healing. And I love I just, I'm so fascinated with water fasting. So I want to kind of talk about that at the end and start Mm -hmm. with food addiction, because it seems that a lot of people have it, uh, that they, and they don't know that they do. Um, and it's not just addiction to food. It's really processed food. What, what is food addiction? That's my question for you.
1: Well, you, you have to, we have to talk about addiction first, because in the field of addiction, addiction has a very specific definition. And that definition is that, you know, there's a difference between use, abuse, dependency, and addiction, and nobody really kind of segregates that, but it needs to be segregated. Addiction is really, the definition is very simple. It is the continued use of a mood-altering substance or behavior, and here's the important piece, without regard for negative consequences. That means there has to be a negative outcome. So if I drink a glass of wine, I could call that drug abuse, but not necessarily addiction. But if I get to the point where I'm using something to the point where it's causing me either physical or emotional harm. So for example, I'm now drinking to the point where I'm driving, I could kill someone in my neighborhood and myself, and I continue to drink, or I'm eating, and I'm getting so overweight and damaged that I'm creating heart disease, diabetes, and I still keep eating the same stuff that I'm craving, that would be considered addiction. So there's got to be the negative consequence part. If there's not a negative consequence, it's not really classically addiction, but it could still tie into compulsive food use, food abuse, and all of that. Mm -hmm. So when a a lot of people throw the word addiction around very, very loosely, but understand that it stems from the idea that in the brain, we have the ability to experience pleasure from the very simple acts and joys of life. And we have a chemistry, and it's called the brain reward cascade because it's kind of like a waterfall of chemicals that give us a sense of pleasure. And the outcome at the end point of that whole cascade, that waterfall of chemistry, is a neurotransmitter called dopamine. And dopamine is kind of the pleasure hormone, so to speak, or the pleasure transmitter. But understand that there's a whole series of transmitters that are involved in dopamine ultimately being released. So it's a whole it's a whole family, if you will. It's a whole kind of community of chemicals that lead to pleasure. And there are two things that are very important to have pleasure with because they involve either personal survival or survival of the species. And that of course is food and sex. So we're really designed in our brain to experience a tremendous amount of pleasure from food, and a tremendous amount of pleasure from sex. Because if we didn't enjoy those, we wouldn't repeat them, and we would not survive. So it's interesting, because not only are there pathways in the brain for pleasure with dopamine, but there are at least two other pathways. One is a pathway to remember the pleasure, and then there's a pathway to repeat the pleasure. So you experience pleasure, you have a memory of it, so you'll do it again. And then you have another pathway that motivates you to go get it. And so that's built in. Everybody has that. But we now know that in that brain reward system, there can be different lifestyle factors, stress, sleep deficiency, trauma, genetics, uh, that could actually compromise the chemistry of pleasure so that it's not working as well. And under those conditions, we don't experience pleasure to the same degree. And you have in the field of addiction, what they call the reward deficiency syndrome, meaning that person now, is, a def- is deficient in experiencing pleasure. Well, nobody wants it, no brain wants to feel that. So when you have reward deficiency, there can be anxiety, there can be depression, there can be feelings of isolation and loneliness, anger, upset. So under those conditions, your brain drives you to self-medicate your own reward, your own lack of reward. And it does that with the five major forms of addiction. Drugs and alcohol, food, sex, what used to be called risk-taking, we now, you know, I mean, we used to be called gambling, we call it risk-taking now, and then process addictions like shopping, internet, porn, all of those things. What all of those things have in common is they activate the brain reward cascade. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, we now know that there are components of food that will do that too. And that's where the SOS-free approach kind of was born. By realizing that, you know, the industries of food preparation, the industries or the culture itself, the conglomerates that sell processed food, a very long time ago recognized that there are things that could be added to food that can, in a sense, subvert that pleasure pathway. Mm -hmm. And Goldhammer and his people call it the pleasure trap. That's being very kind. I call it a pleasure prison. It's not really a trap. It's really a prison prison. And back in the 1950s, 60s, the big food processing companies, Kraft, General Mills, and all of that, they were starting to produce a lot of packaged products and processed foods. And they said, you know what? What can we do to get people to really buy this? Because we want to sell this in large amounts. We want to make a lot of money with this. So they hired a group of people that were called psychophysicists. This guy, Howard Moskowitz, was a very famous one back in the f- f- 60s, 70s, I forget exactly the years, but it was around that time. And what they discovered was if they add a certain amount of salt, oil, and sugar, and then add one more piece to that crunchiness, mm. which creates a certain kind of umame, they were able to create what they called the bliss point. And the bliss point was the foundation for the early studies that were done on trying to get people to buy junk food. And what happens with the bliss point is it's just that, it's that Goldilocks point in the brain where the person experiences the maximum amount of pleasure from that combination of food additives. Mm -hmm. And they literally called it the bliss point. They didn't even know about the brain reward cascade back then, but they knew it created a certain degree of pleasure and bliss in people buying it. And once they experienced that, they will do it again because the body has a memory of it and will be motivated to spend their money to do it again and again and again. What they didn't realize, however, was that by adding those things, they were going to produce an epidemic of obesity and heart disease. They didn't know that back then, but that's what happened. So, so the bliss point is the foundation for the additives in food that create and lock that person into seeking that pleasure So that if I take that away, there's going to be a period of withdrawal where the brain is readjusting to creating its own level of reward and pleasure. And that's why once you get people addicted to these ultra super palatable foods and have a lot of salt, oil, sugar and crunchiness, Um, you're really locking them in for life. You're creating someone who's going to really want to buy those products for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So the idea of breaking the connection to that in a way is where the SOS-free approach really started because you can't have a little bit of those things. It reinstates the problem. Mm -hmm. So you do have to almost have an abstinence kind of withdrawal from that. And so the SOS-free approach does that. So when people come to my center or they go to True North or whatever, they're exposed to an eating plan that's SOS free. And it allows them to break that connection, allows you to break out of that prison. And hopefully, especially using fresh fruit for your sweet and getting rid of the refined sugars and so on, you'll start eventually to establish a bliss point based on eating natural food. So that you get to that point where you're looking forward to lettuce or a salad and you're looking forward to that mango or that, you know, so all of that starts to shift in the brain. But it's very intriguing because it's very difficult to shift it when you're still eating salt, oil and sugar. So that's kind of the background for the actual reward system in the brain, Mm -hmm. how the body establishes addiction with the five major forms of addiction. The thing that makes food difficult is that You know, you really don't have to shoot heroin, but you got to eat several times a day. So you're confronting that monkey meal in and meal out. And we associate so many things with food other than just food satisfaction. We associate it with emotional comfort. We associate it with, you know, a sense of comfort and ease. Uh, for many of us, we eat under emotional stress, we eat under all kinds of reasons. So, Mm -hmm. you know, food has an interesting relationship in our lives and our bodies and in our brains, because it's so tied into survival. You don't really need to shoot heroin, but you got to eat several times a day.
0: Absolutely. That was so comprehensive and helpful. And I want to know a little bit more about I mean, you said so I mean, salt, oil, and sugar, they're additives. Like I, they're chemical additives, right? And we, we can get sodium naturally from lots of mineral rich greens. And I mean, in all of our whole natural foods, right? Because right. it's a necessary nutrient. Um, so a lot of people don't know that. Then also the sugar, I mean, the glucose in our food, Fru- fructose and fruit, like it's there. And then, and then the oil, we can get these all from natural whole foods. So all of these that's, things, that's we're not- what we're
1: re- That's exactly what we're recommending that right. we need. We need all of those things in the body. We just want them to come from the natural sources, the way they're packaged in nature. Yes. You know, there's only one thing on the planet that can turn the energy of the sun into glucose and food, and those are plants. So when you know, you've got two choices on planet Earth, you either eat plants directly Or you eat something, the body of some animal that ate plants directly, but in the process of eating animals, you're losing so much of the original energy, and you're wasting so much of the available land and so on, plus the fact that you're brutalizing and and devastating animals that don't need to be tortured. To feed us, you know, so, you know, all of these things come back to, yeah, we need the simple sugar, we need sodium, and we need minerals in the food we're eating, as you said, and oils that we need are found in all whole foods. And yeah. we recommend eating whole food fats Well, people don't realize if you had a diet of lettuce only, it already would be about five to 7% fat.
0: There's even so omegas there, in there if you eat it There's everything.
1: In there. All <laughs> that somebody has to do is do this with a piece of romaine lettuce. Just rub their fingers around it. You see the oil that comes on your fingers just from a piece of romaine lettuce. Right. So there's, you know, there's natural oils in all of these things. And you're taking in those fats with all the other nutrients. You're not isolating the pure fat, putting it in big bottles of liquid fat that now have no fiber and no other nutrients. So it creates a problem. Most of the refined foods whether even bottled oils, they could be considered junk food because they're the isolation of one nutrient to the exclusion of all others. And that's a problem.
0: It is. It is. Can you touch a little bit on um, caffeine with food addiction?
1: Well, it's interesting. I'm finishing up a huge article for the next NHA magazine
0: Ah, on
1: on the ups and downs of caffeine. I call it the modern day energy crisis.
0: It was definitely a crisis for me when I was consuming it. Um, no I can't question. wait for that. And th- that's a perfect time to plug, Dr. Sabatino, the National Health Association. Yes. Those that are listening need to become members.
1: And that's and that's healthscience.org. So Health people will know that. And believe me, for $35 a year, yeah, it, they have nothing to sell. They sell no product, just right. information to turn people on to themselves. That's yes. where it's at.
0: I was chatting. I did a Facebook live with uh, Wanda Huberman, um, who is the owner, the owner alongside Mark um, of the NHA at this time now. Um, And she I was actually, you know, telling I was telling the audience that this is the only non-industry funded nutrition, you know, membership nutrition uh, community that I know
1: of. It's the oldest in the world. It's the oldest vegan plant exclusive organization promoting natural health in the world. And this year is the 75th anniversary. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. And so for those of you who are listening prior to the uh, event in June of 2023, you definitely need to get a virtual ticket or come in person.
1: Absolutely, And we stream it. Like you said, there's a virtual ticket. So if you can't make it to Cleveland... Just get it online. They do so many things at the conference to engage the people at home. You'll feel like you're there if you can't make it to Cleveland. But I recommend coming because the community of being around the three to 400 people that are at this conference, you get the chance to sit down and eat with all the doctors that are speaking. It's very friendly. You know, you were there. You saw how it is. Yeah, it's
0: it's incredible.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So
0: this way of the national health association and you and many other doctors again, that, that will be at this conference and, um, that I submerge myself with to help me stay on track personally. So I don't go back down that fruit loop, right. pile, you know, like that's part of my success system. They teach you no know, caffeine and a lot of the times, not a lot of flowers. So can we talk about caffeine, um, My my reader says, I was drinking caffeinated AHA, and it's no no longer available on the market. I can't drink, drink coffee other than decaf, and it makes me sick. But to avoid the caffeine crash and migraines, I started drinking Diet Pepsi.
1: Well, she's answering her own question. I mean, when you're getting those kinds of reactions and symptoms, it's apparent that that substance has no natural relationship to the body. When you eat broccoli and you stop eating broccoli, you don't get a migraine headache understand what I'm saying? You do coffee. So you have to look at the reaction to what that is. Caffeine is the most socially accepted psychoactive drug on planet earth. Second to water, it is the most, and the major delivery system is coffee. And second to water, coffee is the most consumed liquid on planet earth. There are 2 billion cups of coffee consumed a day in the world, 2 billion. There's only 8 billion people on the planet. So 2 billion cups of coffee. Now, so, but but caffeine is not only contained in coffee, it's in substantial amounts in chocolate, coffee, tea, energy drinks, over-the-counter medications for headache and pain and, and arousal. So caffeine is ubiquitous everywhere. And look, there are data now that have come out suggesting that modest or moderate amounts of caffeine have actually reduced the risk of things like alzheimer's parkinsonian right. stuff the problem is they always look at like with most drugs all drugs have effects mm-hmm. the ones that we like we call beneficial the ones that we don't like we tend to just call adverse effects or we overlook them mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is caffeine if it does have some value because when you look at these studies sometimes they're not you know they're not controlling for diet and other things that need to be right. controlled better. But you've got to look at the fact that not only may you have what looks like a positive effect, but what are all the adverse things that happen from it? You have to take that into the equation. Yeah. So what we find with caffeine is that it, it the stimulatory properties of caffeine have been known for centuries. It stimulates people. And so we live in a culture that is so exhausted and fatigued because we're burning the candle out at so many different ends that instead of addressing the factors that are creating our exhaustion, and instead of reducing those and addressing them, we get distracted by taking stimulants that will mask that exhaustion. So now you get a boost. What people don't realize there's an old law in hygiene called the law of dual effect. Whatever goes up in the body has to come down with equal and opposite force. So if you take a stimulant like caffeine and you get elated, stimulated, you feel that you're more awake and more alert. That's only the initial effect. The real effect that follows is that you're going to crash to the same extent that you've been stimulated. Mm -hmm. And you've got to look at the big picture to understand that crash that, and when you, and when the body gets exhausted, the whole body gets exhausted. So when you crash, your endocrine system is crashing, your adrenal glands are crashing, your thyroid gland is crashing, your brain is crashing, your, everything is crashing. Mm-hmm. So you've got to look at like, look, if I'm dealing with exhaustion, there's only really one remedy for exhaustion, that's sleep and rest. And unless you're going to get that, unless you're going to look at the factors of your life, that are contributing to your exhaustion and fatigue, and you're going to just keep covering that with this roller coaster of stimulation and depression, you're not going to get any closer to solving that problem. And you're going to reinforce chronic fatigue as an underlying fat pattern of who you are. And that's why coffee is so insidious. Caffeine is so insidious because it does that. Mm -hmm. And aside from the fact that it can create anxiety, jitteriness, it has a huge impact on blocking sleep. And when you need sleep and you need rest and you take caffeine, it's only going to interfere with the very thing that will help you heal your own exhaustion. So it's ridiculous the the way we've gotten really lost on this treadmill of caffeine consumption. And it's something that's been going on for a very long time. So caffeine is very insidious it will create anxiety, it will reinforce insomnia, it will reinforce endocrine and hormonal depression, it will reinforce depression on its own. So and, and yes, there are other studies that suggest it may have some beneficial effects on heart function, or mortality or this. But again, when you look at effects, you've got to look at all the effects, not just yeah. the ones you like. And that's why when you look at plant-based eating and you look at sleep and you look at exercise, these are the basic requirements of life. There's no adverse effects to those. And when you really look at the things that we need to promote health, there's only positive outcome. There's no negative effects. So I, I, I really have a problem with people using drugs and caffeine, no question about it, is a drug uh, that are going to reinforce potential adverse effects while maybe providing some limited value in certain direction, uh, I can't right. go there. And I try to teach people that you have to be careful because right. it gets you on a path of use, abuse, habit, and addiction. Mm-hmm.
0: Especially for those people that are struggling or have well, that are, that have addiction tendencies, and then also like that are addicted to food, that are addicted to have this processed food addiction, have this sugar addiction, which. Um, I have a question that goes right into this. You mentioned chocolate. You mentioned cacao. The cacao plant has caffeine. How does one break the chocolate addiction?
1: Same way you break any addiction. You've got to get You got to go into abstinence, abstinence. withdrawal. There's yeah. no way around it. But yeah. the bottom line is, if you're eating in a way that you're stabilizing blood sugar, the hormonal system, and whatever, if the caffeine content is, is consumption is so high. I sometimes have allowed people to do a little bit of green tea for a day or two. There's less caffeine in it, though it does have caffeine. And it also has something called L-theanine, which will stay, which will calm the brain a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there's a compound in the brain called adenosine. And adenosine inhibits the release of dopamine. So what happens with caffeine, caffeine inhibits adenosine, which now allows dopamine to be released. So you're getting the same pleasure outcome. You're getting the same stimulation from caffeine that you get from sugar, that you get from heroin, that you get from... So what happens with caffeine, like a lot of addictive substances, it can reinforce other addictions. So your ability to get off of sugar and other things will be harder if you're actually consuming caffeine. So, this is another piece. You've got to look at the synergy of all, how these chemicals all work to kind of create a similar outcome, this elevation of dopamine. And the bottom line is, this, this is where things like fasting and procedures like that are very helpful because they're helpful with detoxification and reversing addictive behavior. They're really helpful in that regard.
0: And reinforcing that, just the, basically that abstinence, that just, removal- well, just a
1: Just allowing the body to get back to creating its own dopamine and its own dopamine receptors because when you overstimulate with sugar or caffeine or cocaine or any number of things, your body gets such a blast of dopamine being released that it thinks your brain is producing that. So it stops your own natural production, tries to slow it down. So if I just take those chemicals away, there's a period of time where my body has to catch up with making its own transmitters again. That period of time is what we call withdrawal. Mm-hmm. That's the space of time until you find yourself back to normal, but it could be discomforting. It could be painful. There could be aches, pains, and nobody wants to feel bad. And right. so that's the problem. There will be some symptomatology. There will be some symptoms. There will be some withdrawal effects that can occur.
0: Hey, it's me again. Before we get too far into this episode, I want to make sure that, you know, the doors are open to my monthly membership, which is a community-based membership, all for women who want to remove the overwhelm of holistic living and plant-based nutrition. We cover five pillars. Let me remind you of what they are again. They are body nourishment, belief system, honoring earth, mind, body connection, and success environment. And when you look at your life in a bird's eye view and practice all of those pillars, you're really truly gonna be able to step into your best self. And that is why I created Holistic Mama Society. It is a community of women that are all working on themselves and trusting the process and trusting the journey and getting better with a mentality, of strength that is going to help catapult them into their ideal existence. And I really think that if you feel confused and if you feel stuck on where to start or like you are in a hard place right now in your life, that HMS can absolutely help you. If you wanna learn more about how to cook plant-based, if you wanna learn more about how to connect your mind and your body, if you even wanna learn about how to grow your own food, we cover all of it in HMS. And if there's something that we haven't covered yet, believe me, it will happen. You will have access to a website that is full of over 75 whole food, plant-based, salt, oil, and sugar-free recipes so that you can break free from processed food addiction and feel better in your body. Plus so many other trainings that have to do with holistic wellness, low-tox living, and mindset. Plus some bonus episodes of movement and stretching and breathing and, all of the things that really are conducive to living your most holistic life. So make sure you click the show notes down below to join HMS, or if you have any questions, reservations, or hesitations about coming into Holistic Mama Society, then just click the link to schedule a free 15-minute wellness chat with me so that we can go through what would be the best thing for you in terms of where you want to be, and if HMS would be for you or not. If it's not for you, then we have options. You can work with me one-on-one. I can guide you to your ideal life and we can really dig deep. So regardless, I wanna invite you to say yes to yourself because you're worth it. And if you're ready to feel better and take control of your wellness, I am here to support you along the way. Click the show note links. There are options for you, and we hope to see you in HMS, or I hope to see you on my calendar for that free wellness chat, so we can figure out your next steps. All right, back to the show. So, how do we help parents, Dr. Sabatino? Um, I have a friend asking how to break children's addiction to sugar and oil for everyday meal.
1: Get it out of the house. First of all, it can't be in the house. But more importantly, give them substitutions that are going to be, again, a little bit more natural options. Mm -hmm. Make them fruit smoothies, make them desserts with fruits, frozen fruits, sorbet, do whatever you've got to do to give them an opportunity. Nobody likes to be deprived. In, In all the years of counseling people, I've yet to find anybody that loves deprivation. When I tell you not to do something and just take it away, there's a part of your brain that just can't wait to do it. So kids are like that. I raised five children. I married somebody with three children, and then I made two children. We're not together now, but I raised five children. And when they wanted a pizza, they got a pizza. So we put an alternative cheese on it. Was it perfect? No, but it gave them an option. And then nobody felt deprived. So the way you do that is that you create, and now there's even more substitute products than there ever was. So you can start giving them more natural things. There's so many recipes now that can be made that will satisfy their craving and their hunger while you back off that stuff. And with children, you've got to get refined sugar out of their system. Absolutely.
0: Yes, absolutely. I I don't know any child that doesn't have sugar addiction at this point because it's just everywhere. And- Um, I'm just going to encourage the parents that are listening, especially if you're sending your children to school, to just take control and make sure that you contact the facilities that your children will be at, and just say, "Please, if you're going to feed my child, give them fruit, because that's a safe thing."
1: Right. And then in the home, you know, there's so many resources now for recipes and cooking. Whether it's through Chef AJ, uh, you know, Forks Over Knives, you know, NHA, there's so many ways that that they can bring simple food prep into the home. And I tell parents, you know what, if you have children, what I learned about children is that if you want them to eat something, if they make it or grow it, they'll eat it. Get them to make salad dressing, get them to sprout things in the house, get them to start getting involved in seeing how things grow and work. Take them to farmer's market, teach them how to pick fruits and vegetables, let them get lost in the colors of all of that. And yes. play have have some fun games with. It. That's what I did, and it works. You just got to give them options. You got to get creative. And I know for so many parents, they're working sometimes a couple of jobs. They're burnt out. They're tired. They don't have time to do the to do that. But in some uh, on some level, you've got to do it. But frankly, you've got to leave the garbage out of the house.
0: Yes, yes. You got
1: to leave it out of the house.
0: It's that success environment that I teach with holistic living. Like it's. And Chef AJ always says, if it's in your house, house, it's in your mouth. Like I didn't believe that until I truly did clean my pantry out of of all the things that were triggering us, the the crunchy cracker chips. I mean, like if we bring, uh, if we, it was like four years ago now, probably that we had our last bag of tortilla chips. But if we buy a bag, the bag would be gone that night. I mean, there's no way that a tortilla chip bag would stand a chance. <laughs> like, um. So what do people do about, I mean, sugar, let's stay on sugar, Dr. Sabatino, evening sugar cravings. We know to remove it, but what if people don't? No, but,
1: but if you start eating this way, you don't have them anymore. See, See, here's what people don't realize. And this is very important. When you're at a certain place in your life, who the audience, each person that's listening to this is in a certain place in their life. Okay. They've evolved to that place over whatever in their life. So they have certain tastes, they have certain drives, they have certain interests, they have certain cravings. What you don't realize though, is that everything you're experiencing in the here and now has been built and developed over time. As you make changes something new begins to evolve, new patterns establish. So you will start being able to be sensitive to the taste of things that you couldn't taste before. I don't know anybody that's made big changes in their lives that doesn't get to a point in their life that when they look back, they have a hard time believing that that's where they once were because we were all there. So the key is your taste will even change. Right now, you may not even be able to taste the sweetness of a piece of romaine lettuce. But as you do this, you will start to become sensitive to those tastes. And when you do, you're more likely to do them more. But what it does is it takes three things, like every learned experience. It takes patience. It takes practice and it takes perseverance i call it the 3p's patience practice and perseverance so you've got to be patient with the time factor so start giving yourself a chance to bring these things into the house get used to them taste them this is where maybe if you have a chance you can go away to a retreat or something where you know that for a week or longer you know you're going to be in, you're going to be indoctrinated into these new tastes and everything yeah. And sometimes that's easier than when you try to do it all at home. But the truth is, uh, you've got to be patient, and you've got to really be kind and loving to yourself when you do it. You got to do it with practice. You got to be consistent, and, and you have to persevere. And if you do, your taste buds will change. You will change. Your interests will change, and your cravings will change.
0: One hundred percent.
1: And by eating, and by eating a broad base of complex starches yes. and fruit. Oh especially yeah. potatoes and grain, what's going to happen is the blood sugar and brain will be so much more stable. You won't have that up and down that drives craving as much. And yes. that's important.
0: Yes, because I see so many practitioners just more protein, more protein, more protein to keep your your sugar balanced.
1: Oh, that's a big mistake.
0: Yes, please touch on it.
1: Well, it's a mistake because a lot of the protein they're recommending is animal protein. And what happens is that comes in with a lot of saturated fat. So what happens is the fat is absorbed so quickly into muscle and liver cells, and it starts to take up space in those cells. But those cells are where we store sugar for energy. So when you're eating carbohydrates, plants and fruits, the the glucose that gets into your blood you use, but whatever you don't use, the body will store as a form of starch called glycogen. It'll put that in muscle and liver, but it has to have space in those cells for that. So when you're eating these high-protein fatty foods, there's no place for that sugar to enter. So when insulin is released from the pancreas to regulate blood sugar, the body sends a signal to block insulin's work. So you create insulin resistance. The body's resistant to insulin. Now sugar can't enter your cells. Sugar levels rise. Your cells become starved for sugar. And guess what? When your cells are starved for sugar, you're going to crave sugar. So many of the people with sugar craving have this underlying insulin resistance that's being fostered by the saturated fat and refined fats and the junk food and animal products that they're eating. They need to break away from those foods and load the system with carbohydrate. The solution to diabetes has always been eating plant carbs, not eating more animal protein. But yet that's what they've been told. You got a sugar problem, can't eat anything with sugar, stay away from fruits and vegetables, load up on animal protein and fat. And it's a huge, huge, huge mistake. If our audience gets just that one piece, Mm -hmm. it'll be worth their afternoon today.
0: Absolutely. So how do people talk to their friends and family about lifestyle change that they want to make Dr. Sabatino? How do they They, explain it? They don't
1: talk, don't talk about it, demonstrate it nobody cares what you say. Most of the time, the, most of the time, if they're locked into their own patterns, they're going to be resistant to what you say. The best you can do is demonstrate by your example. You know, when you see the doctors at the NHA, you know, they got a, they got a big time message, but if you actually ask the audience when they're done, what the doctor what did the doctor really talk about? Can you, I'm going to give you a quiz and a test. They probably don't remember a lot of that, but what they remember is that they're impressed by somebody walking the talk? They could see that they're living a certain way. They have a certain vitality and energy and all of that, and that's what you want. And so you're going to demo a lot more by your example than you are. But you can get it. There are ways to talk very gently and respect what people are trying to do, and that's why I tell them you've got to come from a place of love when you do that, because sometimes you get so fired up that you're almost got like a preacher energy and you're coming at people so hard and, and coarse and it's turning them off. Because when all is said and done, eating plant exclusive is a lifestyle of love. It's a loving principle. And if you're not gonna demo and express that, you need to rethink it because that's what it's really about. And I understand you know, that you can get angry or upset that somebody in your family is not doing this and you know that it could help them. My mother, my mother died overweight and with diabetes, never heard me lecture. And all the years I had centers never came. So I had to reach, I had to be able to communicate with her just from a place of love. I had to literally accept her dying the way she wanted to die, because that was her choice. And yet, I had to still love her in the process, and that's what I did. And Mm -hmm. so, it's not an easy thing to do in family with family and friends because you're so fired up. You got this result, you feel great, you know, you're you're fit, and you're doing this, and you're saying, "God, if these people would do it, they could experience this too." Um, But you've got to reach people where they are, and it may be just a little bit. You know, they may try and say, "Okay, I'm going to get away from sugar. I'm going to do some fruit. I'm going to do some." uh, that may be a big beginning and that's all that's all beautiful. You know, you got to be able to start somewhere.
0: So good. Thank you for that. Why do some people suffer from food addiction and others don't?
1: That is a great million dollar question and I really think that some of that has to do because think about it there's five major forms of addiction. So why does someone choose drugs or sex over food? Why does someone choose food? And nobody knows all the answers to that, but that that probably has a lot to do with how you were brought up, what you were exposed to early. Like I grew up in an Italian household. Right. Bottom line is, from the from the moment I was born, food became stress management. Yeah. You know, you got a problem, eat something. You know, so mm-hmm. I, there's those kinds of pieces, and food is very accessible it doesn't talk back, you know, you can put it, you can eat it quietly, or you can even, it's the one addiction you can do while you're out with people, and it's okay. Yeah. Well, alcohol is kind of that way too. But, you know, you get to a point where you can get really sloppy with alcohol. But think about it. <laughs> Food is such an acceptable kind of compulsive behavior and addiction in certain ways. And so, yeah, so that's a great question. Nobody has the answer to that question, uh, why somebody chooses this over that. But my feeling is, how you have really created well-being in your life probably is what leads to that. So if you've done it with food and you've created some feeling of physical calm and emotional calm and maybe even spiritual calm by using food, food will probably be your choice. If you've done that with other drugs, you'll probably vacillate to drugs. And so many times you got multiple addictions. You know, you're doing this and that and you've got multiple things going on. But the key to it is how do you reestablish brain reward naturally? How can you deal not only with the physical part of that, but what are the emotional and spiritual components of your addiction? And this is where people don't kind of do the whole thing, because the constellation of addiction involves all of those pieces. It involves an emotional piece, and the emotional piece is isolation it involves uh, and that's also true uh, or uh, what we'll call the emotional piece we'll call it denial that's one of the hallmarks of addiction you deny negative consequence oh i'm not a, i don't drink mm-hmm. i'm not an alcoholic uh, um, i don't have a food addiction i just like this i just like I, I don't have an addiction so you deny it there's a denial and then the spiritual part of that really becomes um, isolation a self-centeredness If you think about people with pain, disease, and addiction, they are really become self-centered. The whole world becomes you and your problem. It becomes your... So what happens in spirituality, to make it very simple without getting religious, spirituality just means having concerns for something outside yourself, Mm -hmm. people, animals, the environment, whatever. And a lot of times people with addictions don't realize the impact that they're having on people that love them around them. And that's why one of the several of the steps of the 12-step program is making amends, Mm -hmm. telling people that I'm sorry if I affected your life or if I affected or hurt you in any way. And so that's part of recovery, breaking out of that self-centeredness and also getting past the denial. That all has to happen. And that's where meetings and things have been helpful sometimes for people because in a meeting now, you're hearing other people's stories you're realizing there's a community, it's not you isolated alone. And then you realize that there's something outside of you, something bigger than yourself. And that can be even the power of your own body. It doesn't have to be God, it doesn't have to be a religious concept. But it is surrendering to some power that's bigger than just your sense of isolation and self-centeredness. So all of that has value in the treatment and care of addiction.
0: Mm. Thank you. Here's another question. How to manage food addiction when you look at foods that tempt you and buy them for your children?
1: Well, you shouldn't be buying them for your children. That's the whole point. We're trying to keep them out of the house. Yeah. If you, if you have a problem with an addictive substance and you have it in the house and you're buying it, of course, it's going to tempt you because this you're, you're not there yet. Remember, the new choices that you want to have have to be given a chance to weave their way into your behavior If you think about your brain and nervous system as a tapestry, a beautiful painting or a tapestry, it's really woven over time by all the choices that you've made. And so the ones that you've made repeatedly have etched their way. They actually created pathways. So now you say, you know what, I want to do something different. But these old pathways are there. So you've got to give the new choice an opportunity to kind of weave its way into that tapestry. And if you go back to eating the old stuff, it doesn't have an opportunity. That's why people talk about abstinence. Do I believe everyone needs to be abstinent? Not really. But look, if I have a heroin addict, I can't tell you, you know what? I want you to shoot up a $3 bag rather than a $5 bag. It's less heroin, but it's going to reinstate the problem. So what's the point? You're not going to get there. So that's why for the period of time that you're trying to create a new pattern, You need to separate from the things that were pulling you before. So you can't even buy it, have it in the house for your children, because the likelihood is you're not there yet. That new set of choices has not become you yet. It needs an opportunity to become you. And once it does, you'll be able to look at that stuff. And you may still have a little bit of craving, but look, you don't have to lose all craving to be successful. Mm -hmm. People that stop smoking, they may still have a little craving comes up for a cigarette, but they're able to move past it. So don't, don't beat yourself up because there's still some craving for certain things, but understand that there is a time factor for new choices to become part of you. and You've got to give it that time.
0: So good. What do you do when a dietician is saying that a 21 month old needs to eat butter because she needs fat?
1: Change the dietitian.
0: Change the dietitian. That's find
1: a, good. find a healthier nutrition and pediatrician. No one, no baby needs to eat animal fat. Actually a 21 month year old baby still doesn't need any more than mother's milk mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit of supplemental food. The truth of the matter is the plant foods and all the fats. And look, there's no, there's no reason to not give that baby avocado. There's no reason not to give that baby those kinds of food. That'll all work. It's all good. You don't need to go into animal fat and butter.
0: And even if they're addicted to processed food, which was the other part of the question, what do you do about a 21 month old that's addicted to processed food?
1: You need they won't starve themselves, right? You need to be put in jail if you've got a 21 month old baby that you've addicted to processed food. I mean, you've got to look at how that happened. You can't yeah. let that happen right. because here's the other reason. That baby has a flora that's growing. First of all, that baby should have been nursed at least a year without any question. Now it has, that's the first inoculation program secretory i g a is the most important secret is the most important antibody in the human body, and it's loaded only in one place mother's milk when a baby's born. There's no other place to get it and the baby has a natural flora that's now growing, so if you put junk food or processed food into the body of an infant, you are damaging the natural microbiota in that baby's gut, and I will guarantee you that baby will have a much greater chance for asthma, allergy. Uh, inflammatory diseases, and even addiction later in life. Mm -hmm. So you've got to make an effort when babies are born to understand that they need good quality food. And if you have to get a little mini food processor to make fresh fruits and vegetables, but there's so many products now that you can feed these babies, and certainly you need to nurse them for an extended period. But yeah, and if you got already a baby that's addicted to those, you got to start pulling those products out and replacing them with the fruits and vegetables. I don't care how much they bitch.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, look,
1: I raised a family of five kids. When it was dinner time, trust me, there was always something served that somebody was like, mm-hmm. "Yeah," and I'd say, "That's fine. You don't want that. I'll see you at breakfast."
0: Right, right. Yeah, I I have had several pediatric dietitians on, and they've all said that your child won't starve themselves. So I'm not, and I'm not a pediatrician, but I will just I I think that it's a you got to remove that and you know, replace and they will eventually.
1: And parents allow themselves to be held hostage by their children. Right. I've seen people run out to buy junk food because the kid won't eat dinner. Right. You know, it's, it's, that doesn't work. Homie, don't play that. What you need to do is <laughs> I, we always put out a wide variety of incredible food on the table, incredible stuff, mm-hmm. variety of everything, fruits, fat, fat, all kinds of beautiful stuff. If you can't find something in that to eat and you're going to piss me off by trying to get into eating junk. I'm right. I'm going to tell you what I used to tell my kids. That's fine. You don't need to eat. I'll right. see you at breakfast.
0: Yeah, I'm I am that way. The first thing that my son learned in Montessori was that you get what you get and you don't throw a fit.
1: Yeah, get them to get them to try it, you know, and you make nice and you and you do good food prep and we did incredible food prep and I'm sure you do too. So, you can't be held hostage. Right. Because at some point you're the person that needs to be dictating what's happening with this child, because you know, and they don't. So you've got to give them an opportunity to have the best opportunity for growth and health.
0: Yes, I love that. And it just goes back to the fact that especially like a 21 month old, like, they need they should be, you know, maybe you just go and buy a tomato plant and grow it, Um, you know, or maybe you, you, you grow some carrots out in a little box or something, let your children connect, make that connection. And it's just going to make it so much more enjoyable. The
1: earlier you give them good quality food, the easier the transition will be as they get older to stay with it. Yeah, That's the key to it though. Because if you give them a lot of processed stuff early and you, what's going to happen is they already have that, that SOS addiction that's going on. And so now it's tough because they're like, like anybody, their brain is geared for just eating all of that ultra processed crap. So it's going to be difficult and they're going to cry and bitch because that's the only way they know how to express themselves.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I have two final questions, Dr. Sabatino, and we didn't even get to, we didn't even get to cover water fasting. I might have to have you on like a 15 minute episode. We will talk all about it or people can just go and uh, visit you down in Florida (laughs) and heal. And they can also watch all of the Chef AJ lives that are all about water, water fasting. Yeah,
1: we have plenty of them. So. so
0: many, so many. So, um, okay. How does someone who has no time, a high-stress life, and cannot get ahead of their health start their journey to heal their food addiction?
1: Well, it's, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter how busy you are. There comes a point where you're going to stop and eat. So when you do whatever you're going to do, Try to make it as easy as you can. People, I think, sometimes believe that it's very hard to do this. But the truth is, if you have a little like rice cooker or something, you can have rice cooking and veggie steaming while you're doing whatever else you do. You come back and it's done. Or you cut up some vegetable salad stuff at one end of the week, put it in nice Tupperware, keep it in the fridge. And when it's time to put a salad together, it takes you a matter of seconds. And I think once people realize that you can do this very, very quickly, there's nothing faster. There's no faster food than fruits and vegetables if they're already really prepared. And if you're going to steam a few things or put a potato in the oven, so it gets to the point where you realize that it's not going to take a lot of time, but you've got to same way. You've got to give yourself a chance, no matter how busy you are, to to do some prep maybe on a weekend or whatever that allows it to be an easy transition for you. Yeah. And that's the way I deal with it. You know, look, you could put something, you could put like a rice cooker with grain in it and, and steam veggies early somewhere. You can put it on a timer, come home and when you're home, it's done. You got dinner. Yeah. So it's a lot of ways to make it easy. And you and other people online have really demoed a lot of these simple strategies So my advice is kiss, keep it simple, stupid, keep it simple, really try simple things first. Morning fresh fruit or fresh fruit smoothie that you even make the night before. Morning, it's done. You drink it. You have some salad stuff already cut up. You come home, salad, throw a few garbanzo beans in it, throw a little avocado in it. Boom, boom, boom. You've got a salad. If you want, you throw in a few potatoes in the oven, steam a few veggies and go about your business. Read something for a little bit. It's done. you got dinner. So you you, you you learn that it's not that complicated and it's actually very easy to do. So you just you have to make it easy for yourself.
0: Yes, the path to least resistance.
1: Yeah, keep um, it simple.
0: Go and go and buy the frozen pre cooked rice. I mean, there's so many. You solutions. can do
1: all of those things, yeah. and then just you know that gets you a jump start. You know what I'm saying? Gets you a jump start. Yeah.
0: All right. Thank you for that. Okay. This is a question that I ask all of my guests because um, it's something that I'm very passionate about. Um, What does holistic living mean to you?
1: Well, holistic living means that looking at things as a whole, that's what it actually means. It means looking at yourself as a whole being, meaning that there were years when I stopped even lecturing on nutrition because everybody made everything just food. And the truth of the matter is we're a much more complicated creature than that. So yes, what what are you doing to understand that you're in everything you do is informing your body and brain. It's information. So when you eat, good quality plant foods, you're informing the body with the highest level of energy and nutrients. And then if you're physically active, you're informing the body that you're taking the time to move because we're a creature that needs to move. If you're creating healthier relationships, you're informing the body that you deserve that, you're worthwhile, you should have that in your life. So, holistic means looking at the situation in its entirety, as a totality, as a whole. And that's what health is. The word health comes from the word wholeness. And so we're talking about not only food, but how do I engender a certain amount of physical movement and healthy relationships? And how do I love myself more? And how do I get the sleep that I need? Because when you start doing this, uh, to me holistic is really embracing what I talked about at a conference we called the three love affairs, loving yourself, loving life around you and supporting the planet on which we live. The real holistic vision is understanding our place within the totality of things and that everything is connected. Nothing is disconnected. And when you act and you make a food choice, it's not only affecting you, it's affecting the environment, it's affecting other creatures. So when you have that big vision your vision becomes holistic, your whole, your whole mindset becomes holistic, because it's really all about connection, and informing your body with health in the highest quality way possible.
0: Oh, so good. Thank you for that. All right, Dr. Sabatino, how can we stay in touch with you? Because I know I can't find you on Instagram. I've already tried.
1: No, I have a Facebook page just in my name, Frank Sabatino. Uh, my company, the Balance for Life, that I do retreats with, they have Instagram. I think they're on Instagram. I'm not even sure. But I'm on Dr. Frank, Sab- Frank com. Okay. That's my actual URL. If someone wants to consult with me, I'm on the True North Health Service out with the, the Goldhammer people. That's drsabatino at truenorthhealth.com. And they can make appointments to do private consults if they want to do that. Otherwise, I'm Facebook Frank Sabatino. I'm always posting this or that they can friend me, they can do whatever they want. And then they'll see, I'm always posting different things about the retreats and all of that too. So
0: wonderful. And
1: yeah. like you did too, they could direct message me too. You know, they could put me in messenger too. So all of that works too. So
0: perfect. Well, I had a leg up because we were in the bundle together and I was like, Hey, yes. right.
1: we, were bun- we were bundle buddies.
0: <gasps> okay. So thank you so much for your time. I appreciate Casey, you. Thank guys. you. I thank know you so everybody's much. He's going to love this episode. So really appreciate it. And I'll see you at the conference.
1: You got it, kiddo. I'll see All you right, later. Bye-bye. bye-bye.
0: I'm over here cheering you on because you just finished another episode of The Urban Pharmacy. For today's show notes, head on over to theurbanpharmacy.com and be sure to join us inside our private Facebook group called The Urban Pharmacy, where we share inspiration, live trainings, and holistic living tips to help you build community and the healthy lifestyle that you've always wanted. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button and please consider leaving us a five-star review. Before we connect again on the next show, follow me on Instagram at The Urban Pharmacy. That's urban with an H and pharmacy with an F. And I can't wait to hear your wellness journey as we get to know each other better. You know, there's truly no better time than now to level up your life. And I am so proud of you for showing up today. Until next time, be well, health crusader.